Good morning. I'm Pastor Dan of Life Church St. Louis. Today we're continuing our message series entitled Courageous Leadership. Now in this series, we're learning how God guided Joshua in a time of intense warfare as Israel took possession of their promised land. As Christians today, we are also in a time of intense spiritual warfare between the kingdom of God and the domain of Satan. There are many important lessons that we can learn from the book of Joshua to help us in our day and time. Our message today is entitled, Avoid Deception. To deceive is to cause someone to believe something that is not true, to believe a lie or a falsehood. And when one is deceived, one believes a lie. And every lie is a temptation that, when believed, leads to sin. Let me say that another way. Every time that you or I believe something that is not true, we believe a lie. Every time that we are deceived, we fall into sin. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Satan the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to believe the lie that eating of the forbidden fruit would not lead to death, but to life. Wrong beliefs lead to wrong actions. And they, Adam and Eve, believing the lie, were deceived and ate of the forbidden fruit. Now Jesus, speaking to the unbelieving Jewish leaders, said in John 8, 44, He said, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so Jesus makes it clear that the devil, or Satan, is a liar and the father of lies. He has no truth in him. And so every unbeliever, including those Jews that Jesus was talking to, are children of the devil and so do not believe the truth but lies. Now what does this all mean for Americans today in 2020? Well, the majority of Americans, polls tell us, believe that they are Christians, but most are deceived. A recent survey by Christian pollster George Barna revealed that 32% of Americans do not consider themselves Christians, and that number is growing every year. Of those who consider themselves Christians, 43% are non-practicing Christians, and that means they do not attend church at least once a month. Now, practicing Christians are only 25% of the American public. A practicing Christian is someone who attends church at least one month, once a month and considers their faith important. A pretty low bar for a practicing Christian. Evangelical Christians, on the other hand, who believe they are saved by faith alone and not by works, and who also believe some of the basic tenets of the scripture, are only 6% of the population in America. Now, why do I bring up these statistics? Because they reveal that most people who consider themselves Christians in America have been deceived. They are not believers. And why have so many been deceived? Well, Jesus talks about the end times in which we are living in Matthew 24, verse 10. He says, At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And so people are being deceived by false prophets and false teachers. What is behind this false teaching? Well, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 tells us, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. 
And so as we might expect, Satan being the father of lies is behind all such deception. Not only will he keep people from becoming believers through deception, he will also cause believers to stop believing through deception. And so we must be alert to avoid deception, we must learn to better discern the difference between truth and falsehood. Now, one of the gifts of the Spirit available to those baptized in the Holy Spirit is the gift of discerning of spirits. And this gift gives you the ability to discern whether someone is speaking by the Holy Spirit or by a deceiving demonic spirit. And we also build our ability to discern the truth through studying God's Word, prayer, and listening to sound biblical teaching. Now, the current of our society is moving toward more and more deception, more and more falsehood in every area of life. As believers and as a church, we must stand with, we must promote God's truth in every area of life because God speaks in every area of life. Now, today we're going to look at a little-known story in the life of Joshua in order to learn how to avoid deception in our own lives. The first principle we want to learn is not to be blinded by deception. Our story begins in Joshua chapter 9. It says, But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and to Ai, they on their own part acted with cunning and went and made ready provisions, took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskin, worn out and torn and mended. Now Joshua had defeated the cities of Jericho and Ai as the children of Israel entered the promised land. The other nations of the area had heard of it, and they determined to join together to form an alliance to attack Israel. The people of, Gideon, of Gibeon, on the other hand, decided to do something different to prevent themselves from being destroyed. Rather than a frontal attack on Israel, the Gibeonites made a plan to deceive Joshua and the Israelites. The Gibeonites knew that Joshua was only going to conquer nations within the land of Canaan. Those outside of Canaan, outside of the promised land, wouldn't be bothered if they did not attack Israel. And so the Gibeonites made a plan to deceive Joshua by appearing as though they were from a far distant country. All of their provisions were chosen to give the impression that they had come on a very long journey from a far away country. Joshua 9 verse 6, And they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a distant country, so now make a covenant with us. But the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you live among us, then how can we make a covenant with you? And so the Gibeonites, upon reaching Joshua and the nation of Israel, camped at Gilgal, asked to make a covenant with them. Now, this covenant would be a covenant of peace, where both sides would pledge to not attack one another. The men of Israel questioned the Gibeonites about where they came from, because they knew that the Lord had commanded the Israelites to not make any treaties with the people of the Promised Land. The command of the Lord was to destroy and to drive out the inhabitants of the land. Well, the deception of the Gibeonites continued in verse 12. They said, Here is our bread. It was still warm when we took it from our houses as our food for the journey on the day we set out to come to you, but now, behold, it is dry and crumbly. 
And so not only were the Gibeonites' clothes appearing to be worn out from the long journey, even their food showed the evidence of coming from a distant land. Everything the Gibeonites were saying appeared to be backed up by what the Israelites saw with their eyes. And so the stage had been set for Joshua and the Israelites to be deceived. So who was behind the Gibeonite deception? Well, it was Satan himself. He was seeking to cause the Israelites to disobey the command of the Lord by allowing themselves to be deceived. In the same way, Satan seeks to deceive both unbelievers and believers today in many ways. How does Satan deceive people? Well, most of his deception is done through people who spread his lies. Never before in the history of our nation have so many lies and so much untruth been spread in so many ways. The lies of Satan are spread through schools and universities, through millions of websites on the internet, through news and entertainment, through celebrities, politicians, false pastors, and sometimes even through our friends and even relatives. Now, part of the fallen human nature is to assume that if enough people are saying something, it must be true. And as we believe small lies, the stage is set for believing bigger lies and the downward spiral continues. We must be alert to the deception all around us and not be blinded by it. In order to do that, the second principle, we mustn't rely on human wisdom. Joshua 9, verse 14. So the men took some of their provisions, the Gibeonites' provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. So in these verses we just read, we see why Joshua was deceived. It was the same reason for their defeat at Ai. Joshua and the leaders of Israel did not seek counsel from the Lord. They relied on their human wisdom and the things they had seen and heard. Unfortunately, human wisdom is fallible and often leads to the wrong conclusions. Joshua believed the words of the Gibeonites. Thinking they were from a far country, they made a peace treaty with them. Well, it didn't take long for the lie to be made known. Verse 16. At the end of three days, after they'd made a covenant with them, the Gibeonites, they heard that they were their neighbors and they lived among them. And so just three days later, the information came to them that the Gibeonites did not come from a far country, but were their neighbors and lived nearby. By believing the deception of the Gibeonites, Joshua had sinned by making a treaty with them contrary to God's command. And so we see that the deception had occurred because Joshua had relied on human wisdom rather than seeking God's wisdom. Now this was all part of Satan's plot to destroy Israel, which he ultimately was able to almost carry out. So now Joshua was in a dilemma. They had sinned by making a covenant, and yet God's law was that covenants that were made must be kept. What should they do? Well, verse 20 tells us, This what they decided, this we will do to them. Let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath that we swore to them. And the leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became cutters of wood 
and drawers of water for all the congregation. And so the decision, a right decision, I believe, was made to keep their covenant with the Gibeonites. The alternative would have been to attack them, even though they had made a covenant to not attack. The Israelites reasoned that if they broke their covenant or treaty with the Gibeonites, God's wrath would come upon them. And so they spared the Gibeonites and made them servants to Israel to cut their wood and bring them water. We mustn't rely on human wisdom when making decisions. Now, all of us are, are deceived in different ways at different times, just as Joshua was. The best way to avoid deception is to rely on God's guidance, which we'll talk about in our next point. But what, we do, what do we do if we are deceived? The problem with deception is that we may not even be aware that we've been deceived, especially if many people around us are deceived in the same way. So I would encourage you to be skeptical of the crowd. What everyone else is saying around you, the crowd is usually wrong in these days on many, many issues. Be very skeptical of new ideas that supposedly are better than what is called the old-fashioned ways that are written within the Bible. The Bible is not old-fashioned. It is God's truth for every age, every time, including ours. For example, more and more people who claim to be Christians feel no need to be part of a church family. This is in direct contradiction to what the Bible teaches. We saw 43% of people who claim to be Christians do not participate in church. More and more people who claim to be Christians feel it's wrong for believers to evangelize and seek to help others to be saved, contrary to the command of Jesus Christ. And there are many other similar examples, both in the practice of our faith and the beliefs of our faith. God's word doesn't change, and so we mustn't rely on human wisdom. We must rely on God's guidance. Our story continues in Joshua chapter 10, verse 5. It says, Then the five kings of the Amorites gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. So all the armies in the neighboring areas allied together and they chose to attack Gibeon because Gibeon had made a treaty with Israel. Now what should Joshua do? If the Canaanites destroyed Gibeon, well, they would be annihilated as the Lord had commanded. And yet Joshua had made a covenant with Gibeon, not only to be at peace with them, but to defend them. And covenants were not to be broken. And so Joshua now knows to seek the Lord, and the Lord gives his direction to Israel in verse 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them, the Gibeonites, uh, our enemies, into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon. Now, the army attacking Gibeon was an alliance of many cities. It was far greater than anything that Joshua had ever encountered. And so the Lord tells Joshua, don't fear, because he was tempted to be afraid. How many times have we seen God telling Joshua to not be afraid? The Lord was going to defeat this enemy alliance. And as Israel attacked them, the Lord fought for Israel. He threw them into a panic. And we read, as we read through the chapter, we see the Lord even rain down large hailstones that killed many of the enemy. And finally, the Lord caused a miraculous change in the sun 
and the moon. Verse 13, And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. There has been no day like it before or since, when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Joshua and Israel, they needed daylight to finish the job of defeating this massive army arrayed against them. In a way that we don't understand, the sun stood still, the daylight continued until the victory of Israel was complete. Although some have tried, there's no scientific explanation for this event. It was a supernatural miracle, and I believe what the Bible says about it. As Joshua and Israel relied on God's guidance, the victory was achieved against overwhelming odds. Now, one of the great aspects of this story is that even though Joshua was deceived, even though he sinned by making a covenant with the Gibeonites, that was not the end of the story. He had gotten himself and Israel into another pickle by not seeking God's guidance, and yet God gave him a way forward to deal with the Gibeonites. And then God gave him a supernatural victory over this immense army determined to wipe the people of God out. In the same way, God is with us. Even when we're deceived, even when we fall into temptation, God is always there to forgive when we repent and to get us back on track with him. The same is true of people around us, including believers and unbelievers who have been deceived. God's word tells us to speak the truth in love so that they can escape the devil's deception. In fact, that is the essence of evangelism or outreach, doing our part to speak the truth about Jesus to those who have been deceived into believing lies about him. As we rely on God's guidance, he will help us to avoid deception. And so today we've learned about avoiding deception from an example in Joshua's life. It's easy to be blinded by deception and make bad decisions. Behind every deception are the lies of our enemy, Satan. Whenever we believe one of his lies, we are set up to fall into temptation. And so we must learn not to rely on human wisdom in making decisions. We must be careful not to just follow the crowd. Even if the crowd claims to be Christian, we must rely on God's guidance more and more. In these last days in which we live, deception is going to increase. Only as we grow in understanding God's word, only as we're guided by his spirit, only as we listen to spirit-anointed teaching, can we avoid deception. Not only are we to avoid deception, but God desires for us to speak his truth in love. And as we do, we will help others escape deception and come into the truth of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity to come into the truth of Jesus, to repent and turn away from the sin and deception and learn the truth and know the truth. To become a believer, we need to first of all, A, admit that we've sinned, turn away from that sin and repent. B, believe that Jesus died to forgive you, rose from the dead. And C, commit your life to following him as your Lord. And so if you've never prayed a prayer like that before, or perhaps you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord, I'd encourage you to pray along with me right now. Say something like this. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've been deceived. I believe the lie. I repent. I turn away from that sin. 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I believe you rose from the dead. You're alive today. Come into my life, and I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior. For those of us who are already believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for your word that has so many important lessons for us to learn. Forgive us when we spend more time on the entertainment, news, whatever of this world than in your word. Today we ask that you keep us from being blinded by the deception that is all around us. May we learn not to rely on human wisdom to make decisions on our own, but to rely on you. Please come to our rescue when we do make foolish decisions. Help us to always rely on your guidance in every decision, in every belief that we have. We thank you that even when we do miss your direction, you are there to help us to pick up the pieces and move on with you. May each one of us, God, have the boldness and courage to speak your truth in love in this pivotal season in our country's history. We pray that in the coming election, leaders would be elected at every level who will govern according to biblical values. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So today, if you made a commitment to Jesus Christ or you'd like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via the link below this video. We'll pray for you and offer you some helpful materials. You can find out more information on our website, lifechurchstlouis.org. Our Sunday morning services are open at 10 a.m. at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lcstl.org give. And next Sunday, we're concluding our message series, Courageous Leadership, with the message, Lead for the Future. I invite you to join us then. God bless and have a great week.